Hey everybody, this is Mark, and welcome back to another episode of This Poor Pastor's Podcast. What you doing here? Don't you have practice? Not anymore, I quit. Oh. Well, since when are you the quitting kind? I want to do something big and something important. I'm not like you. I'm nothing. Just let me be nothing. So where does the power come from to see the race to its end? I believe God made me for a purpose. If you commit yourself to the love of Christ, then that is how you run a straight race. Run in God's name and let the world stand back in wonder. Welcome. Was it as easy as it looked? No, sir. No, no sir, it wasn't. Welcome back, everybody, and I am, um, as usual, off schedule. It's Thursday. It's not Monday. It's not Friday. It's Thursday, and here I am dropping an episode in the later part of a week. But I just couldn't bring myself to finish this episode on Monday, and I hope you'll forgive me for that. I'm sure you've got a lot of other things going on. Hey, it's tax season, so that's probably keeping you busy, at least for a little while, or causing you to lose some sleep or sell a kid or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, tax season is always fun. Uh, pastoral taxes are interesting. Um, but anyway, we're not going to get into taxes. We're not going to talk about money today. What we're going to talk about today is the subject of soul winning, evangelism, the gospel, outreach, frangelism, whatever you want to call it. We're going to talk about it today. It's important. It's a major part of what we do. And I have some thoughts that I want to share with you. So stay tuned, stay plugged in, and we're going to dive into it here in just a minute. All right. I really did not want to record this episode. I can't think of anything that could be any more controversial than this across the denominational lines. Um, Now, there are things that could be every bit as controversial, but certainly this one would have to be right up there in controversy. The subject of winning people to Christ in the background that I have and the circles that I run in, uh, it's commonly called soul winning. Uh, Evangelism, some people call it frangelism, uh, outreach. Um, uh, Some people call apologetics their gospel outreach. There are all kinds of ways that people go into trying to reach people with the gospel. But I want to talk about my... um, transition or or I'd like to think growth in this area. Some people are going to say that I'm going to be expressing how I've backslidden in this area. But if you're a pastor pastoring in a small town or a big city, it doesn't really matter to me. Or or you're a Christian that's not a pastor, but you're just in your church and, and you have a desire and a heart to see people come to Christ. I think 
you'll enjoy this episode or be encouraged by this episode. I hope you will. Now, I've been enjoying um, the increase in emails I've been getting at thispoorpastor at gmail.com. Please uh, feel free to reach out to me there. Even if you disagree, I will be respectful. I hope you will be respectful and we'll have these disagreements. Um, but but almost all, uh, probably 98% of the emails I get have been positive, and I'm thankful for that. I'm trying to be balanced. I'm trying to uh, not get off in the ditch on one side or the other. But this subject of evangelism and soul winning is something that um, I, I have struggled with, and it is something that I battle with, and I just wanted to talk to you about it today, hoping that something I say can be, um, I don't know, something I say can, can strike a chord with you. Again, let's go back to the beginning. I was raised in a Baptist church until the age of 14. My dad was a pastor. We were a very small, tight-knit church, small in the fact that I don't know that we ever, we, we did at one time run near 100 people, but it was, it was small. I grew up, all the kids I grew up with, we were friends. We'd known each other since, uh, since grade school, and we had our, we had our, our friendships, our first crushes, um, uh, all of our, we, we spent time in the summer playing together. It was a family it's not what we call in the South a family church, but it was a church that felt like a family, and I loved it. Now, as we grew, and we grew up in the Awana program and, and so forth, most of us made professions of faith in Christ. Um, the majority of those are still serving the Lord in some capacity or another. Uh, by that, I just mean they're still following Christ. They're in church somewhere. We're in different churches and different flavors, but most of the kids that grew up in that church we're still following the Lord, and I am so thankful for that, for that environment. Now, what happened when I was 14? Well, my dad went through a period of his ministry in which I, I know that he was very frustrated, and he, he was a kind of a plateau, and he was introduced through our sports league to, uh, to a man who introduced him to a brand of uh, Baptists known as the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement. And it struck a chord with my dad because it was it was something that he was looking for. He wanted to see more people come to Christ. He was looking, I, I don't know, you'd have to ask my dad, I guess. I don't want to talk too much about that. But all that to say, about a year or so after being introduced to that, my dad resigned his church because uh, for various reasons and we moved and began attending what is known as an independent fundamental Baptist church, and we were introduced for the first time to soul winning. By soul winning, I mean we would go out every week and knock on doors in neighborhoods, and we were trained with a, a well, a gospel pitch, a sales pitch, if you will, trying to make it as easy as possible to get the gospel out to the people at the doors. Let me say at the outset, I am not opposed to helping people break down essential doctrines like the gospel in a way that makes it easy for them to share it. Not at all. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, For I delivered unto you uh, what also I received, how that, that, that Christ died, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Uh, he gives a very clear delineation of what the gospel is. All right? So I'm not opposed to teaching young people and adults how to share your faith. 
Um, many people do this. This is what the apologetics community is all about, how to defend your faith and how to share your faith and how to um, give a clear uh, de uh, definition or a clear uh, description of why you believe Jesus rose from the dead and why you believe there's a God and why the gospel is important. These things are, are important. But uh, we went through that, and every week we would go out and we would knock on doors of complete strangers uh, here in, in New England. And every year, because of the environment, our church would give a reward or an award, not a reward, but an award, uh, your name on a plaque, the sole winner of the year. Whoever um, the top three people who would win the most people to Christ would get their name on a plaque. Now, I never did. I have never been what that uh, uh, crowd would call a great soul winner. I just never could be, partly because I always struggled with the marketing of it. My dad tried to sell vacuum cleaners for a while. When he resigned from his church, he needed to make money to, to support his family, and he worked two or three jobs. I love my dad. But he tried vacuum cleaner salesman for a while, and he couldn't do it. He, selling Kirby vacuum cleaners, which are amazing but overpriced vacuums. And I remember my dad saying to me, the reason that he could never be a vacuum cleaner salesman is in order to be a good salesman, you had to believe the lie. Now, my apologies to all of you salesmen out there, but you know what I'm talking about. You have to buy into the narrative even if you don't believe it. So not necessarily that what you're saying is untrue, but you have to believe what you might not even know to be true. I mean, there is no way that a vacuum cleaner salesman can know everything about Kirby and know that they're the best ever in a two-day training and then go out and tell people that it's the best ever. You have to swallow that, that uh, presupposition. You have to swallow that proposition and, and, and sell it to people as if you really believe it. And the best salesmen are the ones who sell the lie and uh, find their way around a no to a yes. There is a lot of comparison between vacuum cleaner salesmen and door-to-door -door soul winners. Now, again, I'm not trying to make anybody mad, but I, have, I did it from the time I was 15 years of age until the time that I was uh, probably 34. So I did it for nearly 20 years, every single week. I don't know that I missed more than a handful of weeks in nearly 20 years of going out at least once a week, knocking on doors, talking to perfect strangers, trying to get someone to pray a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now again, I was never very good at it, but I was consistent at it because that's what I was told you were supposed to be. I'm not going to get ahead of myself here. When I went to Bible college, it went to a whole new level, a whole new level. Now, I was we were required to give five gospel presentations in a week. Now, there was no minimum amount of people that you had to see saved, but we were taught that if you give five gospel presentations a week, two or three will, uh, will get saved, and one will come to church to get baptized, or, or something like that. Some of the guys listening went to the same college I did, and, uh, and they'll understand it. But, it, I mean, it, it was pretty standard in the IFB that, you know, give five gospel presentations a week, and you got to give them to people, get through the gospel. And by the gospel presentation, we, may, we meant you get through this narrative that you have memorized, and it went something like this. Hi, my name is Mark Foster, and I'm from We Know Better Than Everybody Baptist Church, 
and uh, I just, uh, we wanted to, we were in the neighborhood inviting people to church, and I wondered if I could give you an invitation. And if we get a yes there, oh, good. Well, do you have a church in the neighborhood that you attend? No? Well, going to church is important, whether they say yes or no. Going to church is important. But you know, more important than church is this. If you were to die today, do you know 100% sure that you would go to heaven? Now, depending upon that answer, let's assume they said, uh, well, uh, I think everybody will go to heaven. Well, that's interesting. Well, did you know, and we'll, then we'll go into talking about how good works won't save you. But let's say they said, no, I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. Well, did you know that the Bible says that you can be? And in fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter number uh, 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we'll just go right into the Romans road and work through. We're not, sometimes we ask permission, but again, remember, every time you ask a question is an invitation to hear a no. So you want to structure your, your presentation in a way that uh, doesn't allow for a no. So you just open up your, your, your Bible and you start going through the Romans road. You start asking questions. Do you understand this? Get them used to saying yes. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Would you admit that you're a sinner? Of course, we're all sinners. You know, even if you just tell one lie, that makes you a sinner. And everybody's told a lie. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yeah. And so we get them all through that. We get that. We we explained to them how Jesus died for their sins. Now, we never actually talk about his resurrection or the necessity of, of believing in his resurrection because that's not important in this brand of soul winning. We just want to get them uh, to understand that Jesus uh, died for their sin, and if they'll accept him as their Savior, they can know 100% sure that they'll go to heaven when they die. Forget about the fact for a moment that going to heaven when we die was never the point for Christians. It's never the point. That's why there's very little emphasis on going to heaven when you die. Every focus is on the new heaven and the new earth and God coming down to dwell with us, this renewal of the earth. Salvation and redemption is not just about the human beings, but it's about all creation. But I'm going to get off. That's a whole other topic. And then when we get, now do you understand, let's say that I've gone through all the gospel, then I would tell, now do you understand everything I've said to you? Oh, you do, good. Well, I wondered if I could have a quick word of prayer with you before I go. Well, who doesn't want more prayer? So I'm gonna bow my head and I'm gonna pray for this person. And in that prayer, I'm gonna say, Holy Spirit, I've talked to Joe here and Joe believes that he's a sinner. He recognizes that he's a sinner. Lord, Joe knows that he, uh, that if he died right now without his sins paid for, he'd go to hell. But Lord, he doesn't want to go to hell. So I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, that you would convict Joe of his need to receive Christ and help him to trust Christ right now. Now, Joe, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you know that you're a sinner and you want to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you pray this prayer after me and mean it with your heart. Just say, Dear Jesus, and then you pause. And I'm telling you, it's amazing how many times someone will just follow along and pray that prayer. Now, I'm not going to go through the entire thing. Some of you are probably screaming at the, at the radio right now um, just about. But listen, we believed that this was the right thing to do. And we did it. And we got very good at it, very polished at it, in much the same way that a Christian apologist gets very good at giving their five reasons for the belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ or can quote the, uh, um, the cosmological argument or the teleological argument or the moral argument for God's existence or uh, describe their theodicy. We can all memorize scripts to be able to share with people. 
I came out of Bible college and I went into a church that was a soul winning church in that sense. They went out every week. They'd been doing it for years to knock on doors to tell people about Jesus Christ and a church that believed this very strongly. At least, let me say, a few key members of the church. Now, I have never been in a church where all the members went soul winning, but I've also never been in a soul winning church in which there weren't two classes of citizens, the soul winners and the non-quote soul winners. And by non-soul winners, we mean the people who don't go out every week and knock on doors. It's not enough to tell your coworkers. It's not enough to tell your neighbors. It's not enough to witness as God gives you opportunity. No, you must go out every week, at least once a week, and knock on doors to talk to people and share this gospel presentation. Otherwise, you can't be a deacon. You can't be a Sunday school teacher. You can't even clean toilets unless you go and do this. Now, this is that culture that was, that was created. I pastored for nearly 11 years the first church that I was a senior pastor of. We did this every week. We saw dozens and dozens of people at their doors bow their heads and pray a prayer that we gave them to pray. And in 11 years, we never saw one, not one, come and join our church. We had some who came and got baptized, and then they were gone. We did have one family join our church as a result of knocking on doors, but it was, a, it was a family who was already a Christian, and they had moved to the area, and they were looking for a church, and we happened to knock on their door. Again, I am not opposed to going out and knocking on doors if you want to do that. It may be a great way of introducing yourself in your community. I'm just saying that somewhere along the way, I got tired of it because I got tired of the I got tired of the salesmanship of it. I'm, I'm telling people this pre-written script, and I'm trying to polish it so that I can convince people ultimately to pray a prayer, and then hopefully get them to come back, uh, to come to church to get baptized, because the number of baptisms is, is important. We were taught as pastoral students that if you didn't have one baptism a week, you shouldn't accept a paycheck which means most of the men listening to me right now, including myself, should not have a paycheck, if that's true. But it's not true. I get tired of hearing from certain crowds of fundamental Baptists that the answer for our nation, the hope for our nation, is soul-winning. It's not. For one thing, we have zero biblical reason, in my opinion. If you disagree, please tell me. But in my opinion, there is zero, zero biblical reason to believe that simply knocking on doors and getting people to pray a prayer is going to save our nation. Nor do I believe that I have a biblical mandate to save my nation. Now, if I was to be convinced that knocking on doors and getting people to pray prayers was going to save a nation, you would think that I could at least find a city or a town somewhere in America where an aggressive door-knocking church existed in which that town was a microcosm of godliness. But I don't know of one. 
even in the even in the largest door knocking quote soul winning churches in America, the towns that they exist in are just as wicked as every other town. So if you can't even redeem your town, how am I supposed to believe that if I go out knocking on doors in my town and if I could get everybody else to do it, we would save our nation? You can't even save your town. And I'm talking about certain churches, like the one I went to Bible college at, that, that boasted of over a million souls saved in the 30 years of the pastor's ministry, and yet the town that they live in is liberal, and recently, a few years ago, voted in solidarity with the LGBTQ movement. But again, this aggressive soul-winning technique that says, I need to uh, go out and, and, and produce this kind of, these kinds of numbers leads to certain abuses. Now, I'm going to talk, I, I think that these, a lot of these folks are sincere. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But understand that the, the, uh, the danger of the abuse of this kind of thing. It leads you to going to the poorest sides of town where it, whether you want to admit it or not, you believe that these people are, you can say, well, they're poor and they know they have a need. It is true that poor people know they have a need more than rich people. It's also true that Jesus said that a poor person can enter into heaven quicker than a rich person. All of that is true, but uh, it, 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 it shouldn't be that, well, let's just be honest. If I win all the poor people to Christ in my community, I'm still not going to save my community or my nation. Because the people that are running our nations are not the poor people. They're the rich people, the wealthy people, and we're not winning those people. But this leads to abuses where, and, and now we've got this thing on Twitter and on Facebook where men are going out and they've got their salesmanship down and they're, quote, soul winners. And so they're posting pictures of, uh, of, of, of random people, minorities and uh, unskilled laborers and, and all this. They, 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 win them to, they, quote, win them to Christ, then they take a picture with them, a selfie with them, and everybody says, praise God. Look at that. There's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. And, um, and then that's it. Now, there are within our movement some churches that are better at discipleship than others. What am I saying? Am I saying that all of these people that are praying this prayer are not uh, getting saved? I'm certainly not saying that. I've heard testimonies of people who um, were led to Christ at their door by a soul winner. Yes, people do actually and truly uh, get born again through the efforts of people that knock on their door. But I think we have to admit that the percentage of people who, quote, get saved and those who show any sign of spiritual growth whatsoever uh, is, is pretty small. It's pretty small, but it does happen. It does happen. So I'm not saying that you're wasting your time. I'm not saying that it's all a fraud. I am saying that it's that it's uh, it's problematic. That there's there's an issue with it. I want to see people come to Christ. I do. But I got burnt out on it after about eight years of pastoring. But I couldn't stop because it was the it was the tradition of our church and. When I came to the church I'm currently pastoring, one of the, one of the questions that I asked our, uh, the pulpit committee was, do you have a weekly soul-winning time? And they said, no, not right now. And I said, would you be disappointed if the incoming pastor didn't start one up? And they said, no, we wouldn't be. We do want to see our community one, one for Christ. We do want to see people come to Christ. I said, I share that desire. I truly want to see people come to Christ. 
and I do. But there was a time as a pastor where I didn't. Because I believed that the door knocking salesmanship was what was necessary to see people come to Christ, I was so burnt out on it that honestly, I just didn't even care anymore. I was so done with it. And I began to pray for a couple of years, Lord, I just want to have a heart to see, I want to see people saved, but I want to see people saved, Lord. I want to see people saved like I feel God has saved me. I want to see people come to Christ in a genuine fashion. If I don't have, if I don't see as many people pray a prayer, I'm okay with that, Lord. I just want to see people in my town come to Christ. So we backslid. We stopped going out knocking on doors. And in six years, I, I haven't felt, I haven't felt wicked for that. Now, sometimes I have people in my church that are like, Pastor, we need to go out knocking on doors and, and, and tell people the, the gospel. And I always tell them, I do share the gospel with people on a weekly basis. I don't need a set time to go out to do that. I want us all to be doing that. But the snarky comments that I've gotten uh, recently from some men I went to school with, well, how many people you see and saved? You don't care about people going to hell. Isn't there a hell? Yes, there is a hell. Yes, people who reject Christ are separated from God for all eternity in hell. Yes, I believe the, that the, the, the Scripture teaches that we as believers have an obligation to care for, to pray for, and to seek to win the lost for Christ. I do believe that. But I will, not, I will no longer accept the presupposition that the only right way to do that is to go out and knock on doors. Now, me personally... If someone comes to my door late in the evening that I haven't asked to come, I generally go to the door with a friend in my pocket. And I greet that person with suspicion. I don't know you. Why are you knocking on my door? And I realized, if this is the way I treat strangers knocking on my door, why would I want to do this to somebody else? Now... Maybe I'm going to have to have another episode where we talk about how um, maybe we can go about reaching our communities, and especially in smaller churches. But again, I'm not trying to change my entire community. I'm looking for one person here, one person there that I can share the gospel with and see come to a genuine faith in Jesus Christ. I am not impugning the motives of most people who knock on doors every week. I love you for wanting to see people come to Christ, nor am I suggesting that you stop doing it. I am saying, and I will not apologize for saying, that within the movement of aggressive, weekly, door-knocking, bus-running soul winners, within that movement, there is a high percentage of abuse that occurs where we are twisting arms and uh, selling people the gospel, rather than seeing people make a genuine decision to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Because of the, of the high pressure for numbers, got to have people in the tank, code word for baptized, got to have people uh, trust in Christ. You know, I, I can't let a week go by without seeing someone come to Christ. I, I love you for that desire. I do. And let's remember, Paul said that his heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. 
If you don't have a desire and a burden to see your friends, your neighbors, your community come to Christ, then you should check your heart. We should desire it. What I'm saying is we should not confuse salesmanship with soul winning. We want to win people to Christ through relationship. And I just want to say, again, I got tired of the of the grind. I got tired of the pressure and the guilt that came along with not winning someone to Jesus Christ. Listen, it is true. One plants, one waters, God gives the increase. Now, there are those that say that because God gives the increase that I don't have to worry about it. No. If I plant enough, if I water enough, I should see at some point God bring increase in my life. So it's not that I don't desire to see the increase. It's just that I want to recognize the increase comes from God. That I plant, I water. That means when I uh, strike up that relationship with, uh, with the cashier at my local, uh, my local Dunkin' Donuts, I'm trying to win that person to Christ over time. That means when I operate as a chaplain for our local fire and EMS, I'm trying to be salt and light in that community and trying to win people over to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it takes time. And I'll say it unapologetically, I do not know Speaking as someone who did it for nearly 20 years, I do not know how it's possible to truly and honestly win someone to Christ or win massive numbers of people to Christ in a two and a half to three minute, five minute gospel presentation. You can get people to pray a prayer after you. You could even get people to come and get baptized for the 15th time. But we're not seeing the transformations. And that's all I'm saying. We're not seeing transformations in the lives of people who are praying these prayers. But because we've convinced ourselves, and I believe in eternal security, but because we've convinced ourselves that eternal security is true, and that if you pray a prayer, you're saved, then we are getting people to pray a prayer, and then we are telling them, look, you never have to do this again. If you die, no matter what you do, you can go out and live any way you want to live. We don't want to say that, although I've heard people say that, and your sins are forgiven, and you're headed to heaven one day when you die. There's lots of problems with that, and it's built upon a, fa- it's built upon a, a, a noble goal of seeing people come to Christ, But the structure, that's a good foundation. The structure itself, however, is faulty in that it places too great of an emphasis on numbers and immediate decisions and quick decisions followed up by quick baptisms, and then, look, we don't have time really to focus on these individuals and and, and help them settle in the faith because we got to get on and do this again. we got to keep bringing up these numbers, keep getting these numbers. I want to talk to you next week or in the next episode, whenever that is, about some some ways in which I think it's that we can go about trying to win people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I wanted you to know where I'm coming from, the background that I have. And I want to challenge you, if you are frustrated with this daily going out and knocking on doors, if you're frustrated with that and you feel like there's got to be something more, I think that there is. Now, if you love it and you want to continue doing it, I'm not here to stop you. I'm just saying you have to ask yourself, how many years have you been doing this? And are we seeing our nation saved as a result of it? Well, if more people would do it, stop. How about your street? Is your street redeemed? Is your city 
redeemed? How about your state? Maybe the guilt of feeling like if more people would just, quote, go soul winning, we could save our nation. Maybe that's a wrong focus and a faulty premise. I want to see people come to Christ because Jesus Christ died so that all who would come to him in faith might be saved. Soul winning is not about saving a nation. Soul winning is not about um, revitalizing or reviving a town. Winning souls is about sharing the gospel with people for whom Christ died. And I don't know that it's as massive. I know we all want that Acts chapter 2 result, but we're not living in Acts chapter 2. I want you to think about it this week and ask yourself about all the people that you've led to Christ and just ask yourself, what fruit do I have to show for that? Now, if you've got some, praise the Lord for that. But most of us that were out of that mentality just have very little to show for it and we feel necessarily empty. Those of you who do not feel it is your responsibility whatsoever to give the gospel because, you know, whoever's going to get saved is going to get saved, I would just challenge you to to think about that and consider that. Um, I don't know what to say to you. If you have the, a theology that says whoever's going to be saved is going to be saved, whoever's not is not, and there's nothing I can do about it, and you can sleep at night, then, then God bless you. I do believe I have a responsibility to share the gospel with people around me, and I think most Christians want to do that. But many of us have just gotten burnt out on the Kirby vacuum uh, cleaner salesman way of quote, winning people to Christ. And I want to talk to you, I think, about a better and a more biblical way next week. Again, it's just my opinion. You don't have to agree with it. But um, I bet I'm not alone in the frustration uh, about it. So let's talk about it next week. Until then, let's pray that God would burden our hearts for the lost and bring to our attention people that we might be able to share the gospel with and just start a gospel uh, conversation with this week. If you ask the Lord, I think he'll probably do it. You'll probably meet someone today. All right, next time, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for your responses. Thank you for sharing this podcast. Again, don't forget, go on to YouTube, search for The Poor Pastors Podcast. And uh, right now, Monday, uh, drive time uh, thoughts, usually somewhere between eight to 10 minutes. I'm thinking about doing a weekly devotional uh, for pastors and Christians on there as well, but I'm, I'm building that slowly. So uh, I think we've got one or two subscribers so far, just started it up. So go to YouTube, search for The Poor Pastors Podcast, share the videos, share this podcast. Thank you for listening. I love you guys. I'm praying for you. And I do want us to see, I, I do want to see us win po folks in our community to Jesus Christ. And there's, that's an important goal. It's a lofty goal. And we're going to talk a little bit more about some ways that we can go about doing that in a sustainable way uh, starting next week. So God bless you. Have a great week. And I'll see you again right here on this Poor Pastors Podcast. Have a great week. Thank you.